Hello, and welcome to System Mastery, the podcast where we beat a dead franchise one crystal skull at a time. Wait a minute, no. This Indiana Jones game is far, far too old for that joke. This week, we take a trip all the way back to 1984, where the only thing ruining this hollowed franchise was still George Lucas, and Kate Capshaw, and this book. Especially this book. We review Indiana Jones on today's System Mastery. Welcome back. I'm Jeff, and as always with me is my partner, John. How are you? Great! I'm glad to hear it. So, what are we reviewing this week? <laughs> this week, we've got one of the Indiana Jones RPGs. There were, were actually several that came out mm-hmm. over various years. Well, Oddly we- enough, I even played one of them, not this one, because if someone had tried to make me play this one, I would have slapped the taste out of their mouth. <laughs> right, or, I don't know, called for help. <laughs> Reported them to the police. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, bad touch. <laughs> bad t- I need an adult with a better <laughs> RPG system. So, I think this is the first one. Probably, because this came out, like, right after Temple, right? Right, right after Temple of Doom. The same year as Temple of Doom. This wow, came okay. out in 1984. This is the TSR Indiana Jones RPG. So, it's OG. It's TSR. The, yeah. the mother load of RPG makers. Uh, it's it's really neat to see something like this that exists. Um, Especially stuff. since it isn't just Dungeons and Dragons with an Indiana Jones theme. It's its own stupid bullshit. It, it's crazily its own system. Like, you would have thought it would be real easy to just be, you know, uh, Indiana Jones is a thief or something. Whatever they oh, yeah. had in first edition. I think it was around first edition mm-hmm. still at that point. So they yeah, he's a fighting man. Fighting man, and he has a, a temple. Of, <laughs> would you say it is of doom? Yeah, or maybe elemental evil? Something. I don't know. So... So, uh, this game has its own crazy system, and it is a game that allows you to play Indiana Jones. It's not just a game that allows you to play Indiana Jones. It is a game that forces you to play Indiana Jones. Or Sala. Or Willie Scott. Or Marion Ravenwood. Short round. Wuhan. Wuhan! I got you ball in check! Oh, God. Or Jock Lindsay. Now, if those last two don't sound especially familiar to you, it's because you're not an ultimate super fan of Indiana Jones franchise. And don't feel bad. You don't need to be. Those two are the Asian guy that dies in Club Obi-Wan at the beginning of Temple of Doom and the guy who has the biplane at the beginning of Raiders. There you go. Yeah. So that's uh, Wuhan and Jock Lindsay. Uh, Wuhan, interesting that you get to play as him, given that he's his primary claim to fame in, in the Indiana Jones franchise is immediately dying. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, might or might not happen to you in this game. There's a lot of mentions of character death in the game, which is weird. And, and again, uh, just, to, just to really stress this, you can't play as anything else. No, this does not have character creation rules. The game just came with, here are these various characters... You will play as one of these. And even the adventures given say, it's not just play any of these ones. For this adventure, you have to play one of these specific ones as well. Yeah, you have to play as Indiana Jones for the adventure that's in the book. Yeah. You absolutely have to. No alternatives. No creating your own character. Nope, nope. At all. There's no character creation rules. Now, there are stats. There there are the same stats that you'll find in a lot of other games. In this one, they are strength, movement, 
prowess, backbone, uh, yeah, backbone, yeah, uh, instinct, and charm. Yeah, yeah. Or, is it appeal? I think it's appeal. There you go. Yeah. So backbone is your ability to resist fear, which also doesn't matter. Oh, it does. It matters a lot because Indiana Jones is afraid of snakes, and and that is a thing that comes up in the book every time they mention backbone. <laughs> which, let you know, this may be getting ahead of ourselves, but I don't really care because this book sucks. Uh, so the reason I say that it doesn't really matter is they finally get into the rolling for backbone thing later in the book, and the example given is okay, Indiana Jones falls through the floor, he lands into a room, and he he sees there's an exit, but there's a bunch of snakes on it. And he's like, oh crap, fails his backbone and he can't go past them. So what's the result? Uh, he spends the next two hours looking for a different exit, realizes there isn't one, and then runs through the door anyway. Yeah. That's it. You failed and then wasted two hours. There was nothing else. So do you think he ever made a backbone check in any of the films? Or what about that scene where Kate Capshaw or Willie Scott has to, uh, has to reach through that kind of, like, little, t- like, room full of bugs to pull a lever? Yeah. Do you think she was failing or succeeding at her backbone check? Well, she actually did it, so I assume succeeding. I, is one of the results on the failure table just whining about it? Could that, <laughs> could that be? I'm pretty sure that's every result on the Willie Scott table. <laughs> every re- Whine about something. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you, you critically succeeded. Whine about it. Uh, just so you guys know, so that we have an even footing for what we're talking about, uh, Temple of Doom is a great movie with terrible characters in it. Oh yeah, just awful. The just worst. The worst. It's it's I And the I, fact that this book came out the same year means it's really trying to capitalize on Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. so it shoves as much temple as possible into it. If you were building a character for any <laughs> game of any stripe, whether it was uh Indiana Jones related or not, would you ever build a character whose primary claim to fame was Willie Scott like? <laughs> uh maybe if I was specifically making a joke character for something. Yeah. I, but it would have to be a one off. And then I would be really upset with myself that I did it. It's, it's so annoying. I hate that character. Uh, you know, uh, this is one of my favorite <laughs> stories about the original Indiana Jones franchise. It was that uh, Spielberg wanted to put Marion in again. So he wanted mm-hmm. Karen Allen to come back and play uh, Marion Ravenwood in the second Indiana Jones movie. But uh, it was one of Lucas's decisions that, that Indy should have a different girl in every movie. Huh. And that's why we get uh, we get Kate Capshaw in the second one. And, and the forgettable what's-her-face in the third one who plays the German chick that's actually kind of rad. Yeah, man. Ilsa. Uh, yeah. Ilsa's Some, uh, hot. What's her name? Eliza Duty? It's something duty. Uh, it really is. It's something duty. Anyway, to get back to the, the actual game, there are six stats, and they range from 1 to 100, because that's right, it's a percentile game. Yeah, yeah, it this certainly might, is. This might be the first game that plays specifically with D10s. It, it actually says it comes with two D10s that you can use to play the game, and not a D20 that has 1 through 10 on it twice, but it actually comes with D10s. And D10s were invented and introduced at a Gen Con the year before. Yeah, so this really decided, like, okay, we're TSR, we've already got our D&D game. Someone just introduced D10s, that's really cool, let's try and build something around that idea. So, the game has a lot of instructions on how to use D10s. (laughs) It gives you uh, an interesting set of instructions on rolling for 1 to 10, for rolling from 2 to 20... Or rolling percentile, telling you that the blue die in the set is always tens, and the red die in the set is always ones. I guess that makes sense. You explain it to people who can't possibly figure out how to call which one they want to be which when they roll. Yeah, well, you don't want it to be like, and I roll. Oh, by the way, the red ones is tens now. Yeah, 
I mean, there's there's etiquette to rolling percentile dice, but this book didn't... It was probably written before etiquette for percentile dice existed. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. So it gives you a lot of instructions on how to play with percentile and other types of dice. It doesn't mention that rolling 2 through 20 on uh, 2d10 is actually a bell curve roll. It, it just, no. It, yeah, and, and the, the few times a 2 through 20 roll shows up in the book, it doesn't respect that that's technically a bell curve roll. <laughs> uh, so that's... That's sort of odd. Maybe they just hadn't figured out that well, part of it. Well, they have not quite mastered math. Yeah. It's not like they didn't have D20s. I mean, this is TSR. They had D20s. <laughs> yeah, but like, I think they were really just trying to go, look, everything in the game is 2D10. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Also, I think they are probably going with, if you just buy this one box, <laughs> you can play this game. Which most of it was supposed to be. It came with adventures. It came with uh, all the character stats, the sheets. came with, like, a... DM screen and the dice. This was supposed to be a buy this pack, have everything, and go. And that's a thing that you see in older RPGs before they realize that that kind of cuts your your uh, money intake oh, dramatically. Well, before that, you mostly were looking at it as being sort of board game ish. So you yeah. had to include all the pieces. Absolutely. And now, of course, you need like six books before you can really start playing any oh, major yeah. RPG. Uh, that's fine. It doesn't matter that it comes in a box. It's uh, The one other thing it comes with that I think is interesting is cutouts of miniatures. Yeah, instead of having actual little minis, because those weren't particularly prevalent, you had those old, like, get a little clip and some cardboard cutout guy, and you stick him in there, and he goes around the, the board like you found in old board games. Yeah, I read this book cover to cover, and at the beginning it mentions 3D figurines, and I was like, oh, it must have come with little tiny figurines. I wonder if I could find them online or something. <laughs> and and so uh, so I was looking to see if there were 3D figurines anywhere. And it, as you get towards the back of the book, it turns into, like, cutout corner. It's like a craft section. And there's three little pictures of Indiana Jones, because you make a little prism, and... Uh, and you put him on top of a... You glue him to a nickel, and there's your Indiana Jones. Whee! And you can see him from the front and the side and the back. Woo! It's a 3D indie. Yep. And a 3D Sala. And a 3D woman wearing khaki jumpers. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and a bunch of walls and stuff. That was kind of surprising. It's actually got everything you'd need to build a little, like, archaeological dig site. Yeah. They... Yeah. I will say this. The game did include a lot of things. Since they knew you have to run these adventures that we've included... Uh, instead of really thinking that the whoever's running the game was going to create their own, which, you know, you can do, and it says you can go ahead and do this, but the game assumes you will be playing in the adventures they've given you, so they actually give you stuff to run those adventures, which is nice. It's very nice. Now, would these adventures be any fun? <laughs> no, no, they would not. Okay, so there's six stats. They range from one to a hundred, but since you don't get to roll them or anything, they're all just set to whatever they thought how you know how strong short round was. Um, so, for example, short round will have a strength of 37. Now, to do a strength-related task as short round, you roll percentile, and if you roll under your strength, then you succeed at the task. And the whole system is a roll-under system. Yeah. So whatever you're trying to do, it's going to have a number somewhere between one and a hundred, and you got to roll over. Uh, the system does include sort of a crit success, crit failure, and that they've got uh, bad breaks and a lucky, lucky break. Lucky break, bad break. So, so if you roll a 1 through 5, you get a lucky break. Yeah. And a good thing happens in addition. It's a critical success. So a good thing happens in addition to whatever you're trying to do. You punch a guard. Instead of just doing a wound or an injury to him, because those are the, the hit points of this game, uh, you might just knock him unconscious outright. 
Uh, if you are trying to drive somewhere and you get a bad brake, maybe your tire goes flat. Yeah. So that's and that is a 96 through through 100. So just in case you were curious, yes, it still has a five percent chance of failing dramatically. <laughs> whatever it is you were trying to do. So the game is built around rolling under. So for example, if short round has a strength of 37, you roll under a 37 to, to accomplish a strength related task. Yeah. Now there's only one set of modifiers in this game, and those are multipliers. You're you're either twice as good. <clears throat> Half as good, or one quarter as good. Yeah, this game is all about fractions mm -hmm. of things. Yeah. So, uh, for example, if uh, Short Round has an arm injury, and he has to punch a guy, and his strength is normally 37, now he's rolling at half of 37 rounded up. So he has a 19% chance to punch a guy. Now, if he has an arm injury in his other arm, oh my gosh, he's all the way down to one quarter efficacy. So now he has a 10% chance to punch a guy. Yeah. That's worth rolling. <laughs> the only other modifier that can happen, you can have half chance if you're mildly injured or if there's a minor problem, a quarter chance if there's a major problem with you, or if something is spectacularly easy, it might double your chance. Like, for example, if you've taken some time to aim or if you have advantage in some way. You know, maybe you got a lucky break on a different roll and mm -hmm. the uh, guy who's running the game says, okay, for this one, you've got double your stat. Double your stats fairly common. There's a list of modifiers towards the back in the how in the kind of how things happen section that gives you an example of when you should uh, when you should double or half someone's chances. Now I say towards the back for the how things happen section. That's because this book is heavily interspersed with an introductory adventure. Yeah, every time this book introduces a new concept, uh, it wants to run you. It'll it does a weird thing in that it runs a example of it, which you see in most RPG books. So they go, here's the skill system, here's an example of how skills work, you know, Joe wants to try and climb this mountain, he rolls this dice, Joe does whatever. Mm -hmm. Great, it's a little sidebar, that's fine. In addition to that, the book also goes, here's a one-page adventure, run through this, and it has whatever skill they just told you about, as the main theme for what's happening. And let me just... It, the the adventure is called The Icons of Icominen, <laughs> and it is a story to get some African statues made of solid gold. Or some country. I forget where they are. Yeah, I don't know. I, anyway, um, you want to get these statues, and the opening paragraph of the adventure is Indiana Jones in his office attempting to whip a cigarette out of a student's mouth. Huh. That's... I don't know if you read through the adventure. If you Like... like I felt, every time I came to the adventure, I felt kind of like when I'm reading like a Lord of the Rings book and I get to an italicized section. I know that's one of his dumb, dumb poems. <laughs> I'm like, nope, nope. Okay, where's the actual story again? That's how I felt when I was getting to the adventure because I just wanted to read the goddamn rules. But I did go back and force myself to read the adventure and it opens with Indiana Jones for no reason at all, uh, whipping a cigarette out of a student's mouth to give her a better grade if she lets him stand, or if she stands there and lets him do it. You know, exactly like Indiana Jones would do as he has been portrayed in these movies. Oh, yeah. One of the things you notice about the Indiana Jones movies is that he likes to pull the hot students quietly into his office and then whip whip them in the mouth with his whip. Yeah. that That is firmly established in the lore. And the funny thing is, okay, you think, all right, it's it's a it's a story set in the 1930s. Maybe it's still got that kind of playful sexism or whatever. But no, what, literally the first role you make is, do you notice Marcus Brody coming in? And if you don't, then you keep whipping this girl in the face, and he gets mad at you. <laughs> Marcus Brody's like, that's not how a college professor should behave! And he's, like, really stern and dramatic. I, I, I feel like maybe they've never seen Marcus Brody. 
I, who's kind of a bumbling doofus. Yeah, it really switches a lot of the roles up in things. Yeah. Which goes into why I don't like any time they force you to play as some character, because someone trying to play that character is going to be like, well, here's that guy, but I want to make him cool. Yeah. So you absolutely. have the same thing of like, what is Indiana Jones? Well, he's got that whip and he's good with it. Oh, he, he's a teacher though, but he, he's going to whip a cigarette out of a student's mouth, because that sounds exactly like something he would do. And the story for the adventure has what happens if you critically fail, if you roll a 96 through 100 while trying to whip that out of her mouth, and it's that you whip some of her hair off and she runs off crying. <laughs> Just like at the beginning of any Indiana Jones movie, he he brutally injures one of his students and they run off crying. And there's no repercussions. Yeah, that that is the story of Indiana Jones. He is all about fortune and glory and terrifying students. Right. Also, the rest of the story is him adventuring with Edith, who is another one of his students. It's a former student of his who was now turned into a random hot chick who follows him around and... And falls down and swoons whenever combat occurs. Oh boy. She's terrible. And yeah. So anyway, uh, that's, that's how you start out. You start out with Indiana Jones whipping at some lady, uh, to teach you, <laughs> to teach you how the skill system works. Uh, now the, uh, the book goes into actual combat and it splits combat into two different types. Mm-hmm. You have brawling. Mm-hmm. So anytime you're using a, melee weapon or your fists yeah anytime you're doing anything besides the other form of combat which is shooting uh and the two have separate wound varieties varieties well it's not even varieties as much as there's tables in the back there's this book is chart heavy uh, yeah. If you've ever played, and this is going to be a deep cut, but if you've ever played the old Marvel superheroes role-playing game, like the really old one, the one from the 80s, and everything in the game was powered by this master table in the that back. That was it, also percentage-based? It was completely percentile-based, and it was impossible to memorize what the table is, because it's all these different colors. This is the same thing. You go to the back, and you roll on different tables based on what you're doing. So, brawling does injuries. Yeah. Shooting does wounds. Whee! Now, if wounds sound worse than shooting, then good. You're the perfect target audience for this game. Or, I'm sorry, wounds sound worse than injuries. Yeah. Uh, functionally, they are exactly the same, except maybe heal time. And heal that's time. It. Does this game have a hit point track? Not exactly. Instead, you can take light, medium, or serious wounds or injuries to different parts of your body. It actually has each one of the characters, because there's only seven characters you could possibly be in the Indiana Jones universe... Uh, each one of them has their own little character dossier section in the back that tells you who they are and gives you their stats, and there's a little picture of them. There's a little picture of Marion Ravenwood running along or whatever, and there's some arrows pointing to various parts of her body so that you can indicate correctly if she takes a light wound to the abdomen. Yeah. The main problem with this is the system, like we mentioned, is super chart-heavy, but then it adds in its love of fractions for things, and then also throws in some cross-referencing for fun. So you get to the point where you're like, all right, I want to hit this guy. All right, you're rolling percentile dice, and you got to roll under this thing. Okay, you rolled under. But how much did you roll under? Did you roll under by half, or by a quarter, or by whatever? Okay, figure out what fraction of your total stat you rolled under by. Take that fraction. Go find the chart. On the chart, you will find a bunch of different colors. Find out what color you hit. Great, you found out what color you hit. Go to a different chart. On this chart, we have a color-coded section which tells you what it actually did. Awesome. 
Find that color, find what you did. Okay, awesome, I did a wound. Okay, where did you hit? Alright, new chart. Now, you're gonna take what you rolled, you're gonna flip the number. So you rolled a 25, you actually got a 52. You're gonna take that 52, you're gonna go to this chart. You're gonna find out in that chart where you hit them. Now, you're gonna look at what the wound you did was, and where you hit him, and then you're gonna roll to see if it actually matters. If it's light or serious or what have you, yeah. It's it's uh, kind of crazy that how long combat would take in this game. Also, one of my favorite things about the combat system in the game is that it starts with the referee, which is the uh, the GM of this game, yeah. asking you a question, and the question is who would like to go first, <laughs> which it, is one of my favorite things. Yeah, the the any combat starts with the referee going who would like to go first, and uh, okay, there's two kinds of villains. There are goons and there are villains. Goons are goons. They don't matter. They they are they are one punch chumps. And you always go whenever you want. And goons don't get to say when they go. So yeah. they pretty much just go last forever. Yeah, it's 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 charmingly cinematic in that respect. That goons just don't go first. So you always get the drop on them. You always get to punch them first. Villains are like NPCs. They get to go on the initiative order. When the de- when the referee asks who would like to go first, the villain is allowed to go me me me. Now. Yeah. The reason that the system starts with the referee asking you the question, who would like to go first, is because maybe players don't want to go first. Maybe they'd like to go second for some reason. So they can actually say, I would like to go second, I would like to go first. If you say you would like to go first, because everyone is going to, uh, you now check your moves stat. Yeah. And if highest... your movement is higher, you get to go first. Hooray. Mm-hmm. And if that's a tie, then you roll and blah, 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 and who gives a shit? It's just funny to me that, <laughs> that it starts with the referee asking you these kind of simple questions. Like, all right, you are playing short round, Jerry. What would you like to do? Would you like to go first? One of the actual really interesting things that it also mentions is you end up playing sort of a... I don't want to say a bluffing game, but almost a trying to trick the referee game because it's you true. don't have to specify what you do. So let's say I'm playing Sala mm-hmm. and I want to go run into a tent somewhere. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying for your action when he goes, what do you want to do? Instead of saying, I'm going to go run to that tent. All you need to tell him is I'm going to move. Yeah. And then he doesn't know what you're going to do. Well, keep in mind, though, that that opens up this bluffing game, because normally you wouldn't have to say shit. Like, the a game of Dungeons & Dragons doesn't open with the uh, the DM saying, all right, based on the initiative order, which we will not discuss, who would like to go first, and then what are you doing? In this game, it has to be who would like to go first, and what is your action? And then you're allowed to try and change your actions and all this other stuff, but it starts with you kind of doing this little rigmarole of asking questions first, like... Willie Scott, what will you do? I would like to shoot. Okay, well, who are you shooting? I don't have to answer that question until it's my turn. <laughs> Fuck you, buddy. And then I will. Except I probably won't. I'll probably just stand there with a gun in my hand and go, Indy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's it's interesting because it does try to simulate that combat is happening simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in this five seconds, your character has already decided you know what, I want to run to this place or hit this guy or do whatever. It gives you a system for changing your mind. So let's say you're going third and your initial response is, I'm going to punch a guy. And then the guy who was actually in melee with you gets shot by whoever went first. You don't have a guy to punch anymore. So now you want to change it to a move action. You can, but you have to roll a move action... And I think it's at half It is at half. Yeah, you have to half move to successfully change your action. Otherwise, you push the air where the 
the guy who was standing there a second ago was. Or just sort of look blankly into space and go, oh, you got <laughs> shot. You know, that happens a couple of times in the Indiana Jones movie, so I'm okay with that. The combat system in this game plays pretty interestingly. It's just the results of it that aren't that exciting. One of the things that, that we talked about before the podcast that I find fascinating is that they mentioned the primary difference between injuries and wounds is that injuries will only ever knock you unconscious. That's all they can do. But wounds can kill you. Getting shot <laughs> can kill you. That's what they want you to get across. Then you go back to the tables and, no, they can't. No, every time it goes like, hey, what did you get? You got a serious wound and it hit you in the head from someone shooting you. Oh, well, what's the result? Well, you're going to have your strength or whatever. You're going to roll. And then roll yeah. and try to get under that. And if you don't, you're unconscious. Wait, just unconscious? Yes. And if you do, then you're you're still at half strength for this turn and next turn. We And that's it. That's yeah. You get shot in the eye, you are at half strength for two turns, or you're unconscious. Yeah, it it's sort of a weird thing. And especially the way that wounds work. Pretty much any wound, aside from a light wound that you saved against is going to end up having whatever stats you've got mm-hmm. for a turn. And a half, yeah. It's so, for the turn that's currently happening and the next turn. It really makes it into a first person to hit the other guy probably wins because anytime you're dealing with, all right, I've got a 60 in some stat. I'm actually fairly decent at this. All right, some guy barely nudged you. You go down to 30. Now you're kind of balls. And if he wants to keep punching you, he's going to keep punching you and you're going to keep being at half. Absolutely. Uh, one of the things about this book that I find fascinating is that uh, this book is written with no more information about Indiana Jones than Raiders of the Lost Ark and Temple of Doom. These guys hadn't seen uh, Last Crusade, they hadn't seen Crystal Skull, and they hadn't seen that horrible young Indiana Jones TV show. They hadn't seen any of that. But they were already 100% up to speed that there is a theme. There's just <laughs> there's a formula to how you make an Indiana Jones movie. So each one of the sections of the book properly reflects a part of an Indiana Jones movie. So there's a section on how uh, Indiana Jones is kind of a professor. That's your skill section. There's a section on how he's always getting in fights with Nazis, and that's your brawl section. There's a section on how there always seems to be an exciting car chase every oh, yeah. single time. Car chases is its own, like, whole chapter. section. Yeah. That's what we're going to talk about now is a huge section on just car chases and how those work. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not just, hey, you drive and maybe you've got a driving skill and great. You do have driving skill. You do. But it has this entire system for acceleration, deceleration, head starts. What happens if you make a bad break and all of a sudden you blow out two of your tires or you go to a spin? Oh, yeah. There's a huge list of like, all right, you have to roll for an accident. Mm -hmm. Maybe what type of accident did you get? Let's go to another chart. Are you chasing someone or is someone chasing you? It matters. What if you'd like to shoot at them? That matters. There's all this stuff. And again, just like we were talking about how this game loves its fractions, it also loves its algebra. Because (laughs) one of the things in the car chase section is, okay, uh, the goons have captured Marion and they are escaping in a pickup truck at 20 miles an hour. But Indy hops on a motorcycle and pursues at 30 miles an hour. How many minutes will it take for him to capture them if they have a six area or 300 foot head start? My God. Yeah, the fact that all of their examples are just basic math book problems that they've decided to give stats to. Mm -hmm. They're like, okay, so you've gone six areas, and then you accelerate another six. Your total is 12 areas. Indy has gone nine areas because he started with six and then accelerated three. Yeah. If he is three areas away and has a gun which shoots four areas, and he's at a triangulation, and you're like, oh my god, 
No, what, stop What it. is the beverage that cows produce? Uh, it, it just keeps, it keeps adding more. Yeah. It wasn't enough to have an example of, hey, if you accelerate and this guy accelerates and you're both going this, then you're probably the same distance away you were to start. Just shoot at each other and it'll be a shootout except that everyone's on motorcycles. There you go. That, isn't that fun? That's fun and cinematic, right? No, no. Maybe they're just faster than you and they get away. The end. Yeah. One of the things I will give the car chase section for credit, uh, credit for, and I really like this, is that there's a lot of chances to hit fruit carts. <laughs> there's a lot of different yeah. options that, that fruit carts or big panes of glass are kind of just artfully arranged in front of you so you can drive through them. They really wanted to drive home that this is a game of playing a movie. Yeah, the, uh, the interesting thing with the chart on maybe you get into an accident is you've got a lot of those sort of cinematic things. You've got a lot of, like, you go into a skin, your car spins around, and now you're driving the wrong direction. Uh, you've got your flip, maybe you run into a thing. You lose two tires. It's, it's specifically you lose two tires. Two tires or one if you're a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah. That's all, though. You can't lose one tire if you're a car. It's a double no. blowout or nothing. Uh, and the weird bit with all of that is it has... All these rules for how this affects your speed. So maybe you skid a bit, but you don't actually go in a different direction. It slows your car down by 10 miles per hour. And maybe it does a spin around and it fully stops you. And right. so on and so on. But it keeps playing with rules like you can have a red line speed. It's yeah. how fast you can go it mentions at max, and maybe you can push it past that. Maybe. Yeah, it actually mentions miles per hour a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, it'll say things like, this truck goes 30 miles an hour, this motorcycle goes 20 miles an hour, which sounds kind of silly, but then again, it is like 1931, so sure, whatever. <laughs> um, but at the same time, it mentions cruising speed, turning speed, red line speed, and maximum speed as yeah. things that can happen. So anytime you have an event that occurs to your vehicle, it changes. Usually it forces you to go to turning speed, or it just stops you. Yeah, there's the turning speed, and of course all of these stats are different for every vehicle you're going to be in. Yeah. Most of them, they say the turning speed is like 30, and so if you're going more than 30 and you take a turn, you have to roll to see if you get in an accident. And if you try to go red line, you have to roll to see if you're in an accident. If you get too close to another vehicle, you have to roll to see if you're in an accident. Right. It, it's interesting because, to me, it implies this kind of mindset of someone watching Raiders of the Lost Ark during that big truck chase scene <laughs> that's in that and trying to work out rules for how that all took place. You know, like, oh, I wonder if that guy's going cruising speed or turning speed uh, at this uh. point when he hits a when he hits a big wall of hay. <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that there's actually some decent rules as far as Shooting while you're driving at a guy, mm -hmm. and it gives a decent advantage to the person who's chasing just because every time you shoot at a car, basically if you do anything to them, it will decelerate them a bit. Mm -hmm. So it gives you a chance to catch up. So even if someone's in a faster car or they've got a decent head start, you can try to play catch up with them so it isn't just this person is in a faster car than you, they get away, stop trying. Yeah. And they mentioned that you might have to slow someone down when you're chasing them because Indiana Jones is always chasing after a damsel in distress. Always. And that's that's what they mentioned. Marion Ravenwood has been stolen away from you and you have to chase her down. And, and 
It's over and over again. The adventure has this woman named Edith in it, and all she does is just get kidnapped away from India over and over again so he can catch her using different types of skills. Yeah. One time he's chasing her in a car. One time he's chasing her using parkour. (laughs) One time he figures out where she is by listening intently to find out that the ground beneath him is hollow. So. Yeah, the the skills are... It's interesting that they give a skill section where they say, here are all the skills. Why did you even do that? I can't make a character and pick one of these. The game is just going to tell me what skills I've got. You don't need to spend half a page telling me what archaeology is yeah. when I can't even pick to have it or not. Yeah, absolutely. And every character has a couple of skills. So, for example, Short Round has karate and pickpocketing. And, uh, and I, it's totally racist. I, I think he has drive. So, because everyone has drive, they mentioned that every single person can at least drive, which makes poor Jock Lindsay seem terrible because all he has is driving and piloting. Hey, but he at least he can pilot a thing. That's his his claim to fame. Come on, at least give him fishing. That's the only thing he does in the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah. So the the skill system is again weird since they go into so much detail on something that essentially isn't anything that you're going to care about as a player. Uh, and then they also just say, and here's the list of skills, and there's probably other ones. NPCs will have skills that you don't have, and it'll be a write-up on their sheet. You know, they actually do mention that. And, and one of the things I was talking, we were talking about this before we started recording, was that every time I turned the page in this book, I kept expecting to come to the section where it tells you how to make a PC. Like, <laughs> okay, okay, here's the character creation rules. What, really? No, not yet. Okay, not yet. Hang on, let's turn the page again. Character creation rules? No, just more stupid adventure. Oh, another picture of Sala. Hang on, maybe maybe character creation rules? Nope, just a map. Okay, so they never happen. No. But, but there are a couple of suggestions that they might as you read your way through the book. So, for example, at the end of the skill section, it says other skills not mentioned here. Your character may have them. In that case, you'll have to tell your referee about them and agree upon what they do. And it's like, okay, well, that that won't come up unless you're talking about how Indiana Jones has a skill that doesn't show up during the the, yeah. the game. But uh, it, it's like a little hint. It's like saying, hey, there might be new characters you could make. There may be some PC rules Maybe in here. later on. Nope, uh, doesn't no. happen. Well, it's the same thing in the combat section when they talk about like, hey, your character might die, and this might happen. You go, really? Indiana Jones might just die? That is the worst adventure. It's well, Indiana Jones, and then this is the real life, Mark. I think it's safely assumed that a couple... I mean, Wuhan literally dies in the only scene he's in, in Indiana <laughs> Jones movie. That's all he does. He shows up, he dies, and then Indiana Jones gets mad and throws a skewer full of pigeon carcasses into a guy's <laughs> chest. That is Wuhan. That's Congratulations, all. everyone. Wuhan. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, he's in there just because there were only so many PCs, and they were really desperate to make it so that there weren't just five. Yeah. it It's just weird to me that the game has a split to it in that way, and then it talks about, like, death is a thing that could happen, and your character might die, and then you'll have to have a different character, which, again, would make sense if you were making them. But then you read on, and no, death doesn't happen because there is literally nowhere where any wound deals death to you but they want you to think there might be yeah it i i yeah but, but again w- w- would that ever happen who would want to play through the story where indiana jones gets shot by a thug and dies yeah it it just in a game that is this cinematically bent where it's not just like oh we like things to be sort of cinematic in that we want the pcs to have big actions it's 
It's cinematic in that you are playing people from a movie in a movie setting with a movie script adventure, and you want to go through that, and then having it be a random thug might just kill you seems really weird. Yeah, I know. It seems like they could have gone ahead and just taken that out. Like, I understand why they're doing it, because they want you to feel like there's a reason that you should pay attention to the game. Like, there's a threat. Threats might happen. Well, yeah, because otherwise it's just you're walking around like a six-year-old doing, I'm Indiana Jones! I whipped you! I whipped you! I'm invincible to whips because <laughs> I have a force field. Oh, no! I've, I've, I've found I found an artifact and it gets rid of force fields. Well, I'm Indiana Jones, too, so I ride away from you in a life raft <laughs> down, a, down a mountain. They, I win. Oh, so, oh. so anyway, uh, yeah, so it's weird that they have this kind of straying towards the concept that you might die, like it's a Dungeons and Dragons game, when it's not, and, and they they really stress that it isn't. Yeah, it the game, and this goes for a lot of its mechanics, for a lot of its setting. It's very uh, sort of schizophrenic as far as like we really want to present this theme and this idea, but all of our mechanics and references are at odds with that. We bought this license, but. Against our very judgment and best interest, we remain TSR. <laughs> that's, that's really what happened. They bought this license and they're like, we want to tell the best Indiana Jones story we can. Okay, so he's probably an illusionist, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. How many bugbears do you think he could kill? <laughs> so many bugbears. I don't think you even know how many bugbears. Also, that's racist. Why would you call agents that? Oh. <laughs> it's because of how I was raised? <laughs> Okay, I feel trapped. <laughs> Another section in the book is XP. There's a section on how XP works. And XP in this game, it starts by telling you you don't have to use it. It gives you this kind of out. You may not wish to play with XP. That's okay. You don't have to. Yeah, because so, you're all playing just characters we've given you, so who gives a fuck? I don't want Solid to level up. I don't give a What's he going to do? <laughs> oh, boy. I'm even better at detecting poison dates. <laughs> I know even more, cousins. Uh, poison dates, am I right, ladies? Huh? Huh, ladies? <laughs> I used to be able to get two pl- 2d4 camels. Now I can get 2d4 plus two. Woo! Okay, no. The XP in this game is only kind of character oops points or brownie points. That mechanic, you know, stunt dice. The mechanic where you get to, to spend points to get out of a temporary or short-term emergency. And yeah, and I mean, a lot of it is, like... Someone hits you, it would be a serious wound. You can go ahead and spend your XP to turn it into a moderate wound. It costs it costs four points to do that. And this is this game actually has a very regimented structure for how points come into existence, and I really like it for one reason. And I, I'll tell you all about it. There it says you should ask three questions to determine how many XP you can get. You can get three. The first was, did you play in character? The second was, did you have a good time or were you contributing well? And the third is, were you inventive or imaginative? So if you say, if you can, if the referee can answer yes to those questions, then you get three XP, one for each question. Now this is the fun part. The players collectively get to determine if the referee followed those same three rules in the same ways and can give the referee XP. Yeah, that was one of my favorite bits in there is that at the very end, all of your players get to sit around and be like, I don't know. That adventure was kind of shit. Yeah, and then we're not we're not giving you an XP for being imaginative, even though you're the referee. <laughs> and you know, it's funny because there's a good mathematical reason to want to. You don't want his villains getting to roll extra dice or get out of situations by buying them with points. But then the book goes on to to give you this great section on mediation and how to play friendly. 
Uh, you know how most role-playing games come with that section on how to role-play? You know, this is what a role-playing game is. You are going to need a pencil and some dice and a friend have and you, some pizza. Have you ever played pretend when you were a kid? It's kind of like that. Except that instead, there's all these rules. Okay, so in this book, it actually mentions things like, Are you mad at one of your players? It's probably not a good idea to send 200 goons at him just to get, just to teach him a lesson because that'll just make him mad at you. Instead, why not break the cycle? Oh man, I'm, I'm so glad that TSR was here to tell us about breaking the cycle of violence. Right? Okay, so this book tells you, tells you as a player, you should probably give the referee some of those XP because you don't want him to write the next adventure to just be impossible because he's mad at you. <laughs> so that's all it is. It's just a little deterrence war that the XP system represents. It is a grudging gift to stop further annoyance in games. That is what it is. It's it's hilarious. I've never seen a game system where the, the referee can earn awards at the end. And to be honest, I think that's great. I think they should put that in every game. Uh, it's just wonderful because... You know, you, you first hear about it and you're like, oh yeah, finally some power back in the player's hands. Except it is still, you go, no, nah, fuck you, Jerry, that adventure sucked. And then he's just going to come next week and go, it's Indiana Jones and the adventure of fuck you, you're dead. Yeah, Indiana Jones and the spikes falling from the sky. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's sort of a weird, again, odd mix of an interesting idea that doesn't, really work very well? Indiana Jones, and he ate bad food and shat on a toilet for four hours. <laughs> uh, I'd like to not. No, you just do. Poop's you, still coming out of you. <laughs> you do. <laughs> you can not, but then you're going to be shitting the whole time, and your prowess is at one quarter. What do they call it? It's just Indiana Jones and the case of Montezuma's revenge. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's just Indiana Jones pooping for four hours because he didn't get an XP in the last game. There you go. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, yeah, there's a fun little XP section for how you can, uh, how you can reward the players and the referee for being good. Uh, and one of the other, it keeps breaking things down into sections that have their own ridiculous charts and rules. So another one was dangers. Oh, dangers, right! So yeah. you might, you might not be fighting a goon or a villain. In a lot of these things, maybe it's just dangers that are around you. Maybe, maybe there's a bomb goes off. Fire or yeah. rushing water and you're drowning or something like that. Okay, so the danger system works by giving a percentile chance for an event to hurt you. So, for example, if a uh, grenade is thrown near you, perhaps it has a 75% chance to hurt Indiana Jones. So it has a danger rating of 75. You roll, as the referee, you roll those percentile, and if it goes under 75, then you roll on another chart, and it tells you how much of a wound Indiana Jones suffers for the grenade going off. Okay, now that seems pretty simple. It's not a big deal. Perhaps you fall 30 feet, in which case you have a danger rating of 60. You roll a 60 because it's number of feet times 2. Yep. You roll uh, You roll under 60, you successfully inflicted a wound on your player, and you give them a wound. Which is odd because the whole danger system personifies the danger as a thing that is attempting to hurt you. Mm -hmm. It's not you as a player have to roll to avoid fire. It's the fire rolls to hit you, essentially. Which sounds, you know, a little backwards, but still functional. It's effectively the same role. Until you get, keep reading the danger section, and you realize that most dangers do more than a 100% chance to hurt you. So, for example, a grenade shouldn't do 75. It usually does around 120 to 340. <laughs> so, so what does that mean? What does it mean when a grenade goes off near Indiana Jones and there's a danger rating of 120? Let's make it a shitty grenade. 
Well, that means that you roll two danger chances. One of them at 100%, and one of them at 20%. Yep. Now, as the player, shouldn't you be crowing and crying for two 60% chances? Too bad. You get hurt, and then you maybe also get hurt. Yeah, you've got a 5% chance that maybe there was a bad break for that grenade, and it didn't hurt you with the first roll, Mm -hmm. and now it's got a 20% on the second roll, but most of the time it's just going to be, all right, someone did an explosion, well, you're hurt, and let's see if you're also hurt again. Yeah, it's two wounds. So, for example, uh, drowning has a danger rating of between 60 and 180 or so, which means that most wounds just hurt you, and you just roll to see how much they hurt you. Now, wounds are, I'm sorry, wound is a, a rule in this game, it's shooting damage. Most dangers or hazards have a chance to hurt you, and a lot of them just hurt you. And some, like the drowning one, has its own side rule, where in drowning, instead of taking any damage, you swallow water. And you can swallow water, I think, five times, and then you drown. Mm -hmm. So each time you swallow water, you also get some negative to your, like, prowess. Something, yeah. So the more that you're drowning, the harder it is to stop drowning. So Uh, the the example in this section is literally a pipe bomb is thrown down next to Indiana Jones, and he starts backing away from it. And it has a danger rating of 120. Yeah. There is no chance that Indiana Jones has to escape the pipe bomb. He's going to take some damage from it. Does he take damage twice? And where is the damage? That's all you're really trying to figure out. Which the game goes and it has a bunch of dangers. It has fire, it has falling, it has drowning, it has explosions and so on. Explosions are, bar none, the most damaging and lethal and ridiculous thing because there is no way to get around it. Yeah. And then it goes on to say, if you're a player and you want to use some explosion damage on a guy and you're going to huck, like, you're Sala and you've got dynamite and you huck some dynamite at a guy, now you have to roll to see if you hit him with that dynamite. If it gets near enough to him, it might just fly off into a distance. And because it's random, it might just land at your feet and you blow up your whole party. But it is... With a danger rating of 340, as the example that they list. Yeah. You take three wounds and maybe another. So, the it, it's sort of a gamble in that you go, well, my character always walks around strapped with dynamite, and then he'll just huck it at people, and maybe it completely fucking kills everyone in the room, or maybe it just kills me. I or don't know. probably just knocks you unconscious because of how friendly the rules are to PCs. Yeah. So it probably, since it's not water you're carrying around, since drowning is the only thing in the game that's guaranteed to kill you, <laughs> like, you can fall any distance and just be knocked unconscious. Yeah, I think drowning is actually one of the only things where it even says, like, this is going to kill you. Because mm-hmm. even in the, like, the car chase example, there was one where it's, your car flips, skids, the engine has a chance to combust, and if you take wounds while the car is flipping and skidding, which means you might go unconscious and be lying in a burning car, and even then, it doesn't say, this will kill you, it just says, someone will probably need to help you out of that burning car. Yeah, as a cinematic measure, Marcus Brody shows up and pulls you out of the car. Yeah. Indy, what is this all about? Or maybe that, that Indian guy from, one of the Indian guys from the from the second one shows up. And... Yeah. Those two guys who didn't actually speak English, which is why their 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 pausing is all weird. <laughs> so uh, yeah, okay. So uh, let's see where we're at. Would you play Indiana Jones? 
City of Violence. <laughs> City of Violence. <laughs> Sky Realms of the Temple of Doom. I, I really wouldn't. And I've, like I said, I played in a different Indiana Jones game. Uh, set in the Indiana Jones world, the game wanted you to have Indiana Jones as an NPC that probably gets the PCs started in their life of adventure. Mm-hmm. But you're playing as your own characters, and you've got your own side things. Yeah, and class, in, college professor, that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, it was, I think, even a point-based system, so you're, you get to decide what you're good at and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And then you can go ahead and go on adventures, and that's great. Any system that forces you to be a specific character, even if it gives you a choice between, like, six different ones, I just, I can't do it. I just can't do it. I fully agree. I can't even think of another system that does this that isn't a board game. Like, board games will do this, and that makes sense. Like, you play, you know, Dungeons & Dragons, Wrath of Ash Cardalon, the, the board game D&D. Huh. Yeah, sure, it's going to force you to play as a fighter or whatever. That's fine. Because it's a board game, and there's limited resources. But this is this is a, a straight-up RPG. This is a book. I, I can't think of another one that does this, this mechanic to you. Yeah, no, th- I mean, there are plenty of licensed games. Oh, yeah, we've, we've reviewed a bunch of those. Yeah. Like, you and they'll can... all have those licensed characters, yeah. but they don't say, there is no character creation, you have to be this guy. Yeah, welcome to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer role-playing game. You have to be Buffy. Yeah, you know, you don't play Firefly and they're like, you are one of the people on Serenity, there is no question, fuck you. Although, let's be honest, anyone playing the Firefly RPG is doing it so they can play one of the characters yeah, on Firefly. That's probably true. Or they're going to just act like one. Oh my, I can't even imagine playing that game. It would just be <laughs> people trying to get that lingo right or referencing the jokes. Uh, every, you'd, you'd have some people trying really hard and they'd show up with like sheets of Chinese phrases and they would butcher it horribly every time they tried to say something. My character actually is Chinese. Oh no, that's impossible in the Firefly universe. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Asians yeah. don't actually exist in yeah. Firefly. There aren't any in here. We apologize for the for the omission. <laughs> uh, okay. But what would is... would you would you play in this? Again, I feel like it's a board game. Like if it cuz I mean it comes with the little cutout pieces you need to make it into a board game. Like, it, there, in the section in the back, there's all the parts you need to cut out on cardstock and glue together to make yourself a little archaeological dig with some goons and a woman in, in khaki jumpers and what have you. The, uh, uh, obese black man, that's a fun one. Because oh, that, that's, that's the villain of the adventurer, is, is Solomon Black, the obese black man. Yay! Um, so there's a little 3D cutout of him. So, if you, if you were to treat it like a board game and play it like a board game and just play the adventure that's in the book... Uh, maybe, because yeah, then it's just a board game. It'd be all right, but otherwise, no, not a chance. Not because what are the odds that I'm going to get stuck playing as Willie Scott? I, I can't. <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and this really also because it was an older RPG and hasn't really been established a lot. It also, I feel, plays heavily into the choose your own adventure books, which were oh, still God, really yeah. big at that time. There's a lot of that in there. Like if you read through the adventures, there's a section that's describing how. Uh, combat works and the the way they do the adventure is that you and edith have just arrived in a hotel room and she's getting set to tell you some stuff about the icons of icominen instead of that thugs get the jump on you and you have to fight some thugs now the next section is on how skills and observation work it starts with three different ways depending on how you did in the fight so for example if the thugs beat you then you wake up and you can hear edith being dragged away by thugs and you stand up and go after her if you won then they still manage to catch her, and they're dragging her away. If you super won, 
Then she stands there and goes, yay, we beat the thugs. And then the lasso gets wrapped around her and she gets pulled out a window and is carried <laughs> off by thugs. It's it's basically, if you were to play that adventure, your players could do nothing. They could be like, uh, I, I ignore the thugs. I ignore Edith. Oh, okay, well, she gets dragged out a window and is chased out. What do you want to do? Uh, I guess I go downstairs. All right, great. Well, you're farther away from her instead of getting to her fast by jumping out the window and landing in a melon cart. But uh, you still come to her eventually. Okay, well, I don't really want to. Oh, that's good. Well, the adventure moves along whether or not you play. Yeah, there's and there's some weird times where it doesn't do that, and it feels oddly antagonistic, I would say. Like, there's an example of the uh, the instinct check, where you're walking along. Do you notice there is a gunman on a roof? Okay, you fail. No, you don't notice. He shoots at you. Okay, now you start looking around. Do you succeed again? No, you failed again. But it doesn't even say roll again. It's the player has to tell you what he does. If he goes, uh, I look behind me. Oh, well, that's not where the gunman is. Now the gunman shoots again. Now the player has to go, I look up. Oh, very good. Now you see where the gunman is. And a couple times it's just inevitable and stupid. Like, for example, in the section on skills, it mentions, does your character speak Egyptian? No? Well, then you're presented with some hieroglyphs. Roll a check to see if you can read this Egyptian on instinct. Did you fail? Okay, well, you'll eventually read it when you get to a school and can translate it. So it doesn't actually matter. No, it's the yeah. same thing like the backbone check and the snakes. You're like, yeah. oh, you're real afraid and you can't get past them. Okay, well, then what happens? Well, then you just wait a bit and you go past them. Okay, so why did I roll that? Because it's a story adventure Wee. with dice. We have these dice instead of just writing a book. <laughs> okay, what is your favorite thing about Indiana Jones, the RPG? Uh, I'm actually gonna go with the little mini-adventures that they do after each section. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the books that give you a concept, because especially in these old ones where you're sort of assuming a lot of the people playing this might be coming to it for the first time. Uh, it wasn't a huge thing, a lot of people didn't know it, and a lot of people might have just picked it up going... Hey, an Indiana Jones game, and not realizing it was an RPG. This is a hot property right now. The first sequel just came out. Woo! I can't wait. So, maybe I haven't seen it yet, and I don't know how bad it is. <laughs> so I can understand and appreciate them going, Alright, here's a concept that's probably new to you. He here's a uh, thing that will run you through using that concept. Here are skills. Here's a one-page thing of how do skills work. Here's combat, here's a one-page thing of how you fight a guy. It's a great way to introduce someone to not only this role-playing game, but role-playing games, which is the sort of thing you still needed to do in 1984. Yeah. These I'd... days, if a book has a 30-page section on how to play role-playing games... Oh, no. You're like, why are you doing that? <laughs> Everyone knows now. Everyone knows what Dungeons & Dragons is. It's on community. People have seen it. We're <laughs> used to it. You can just move on past this point. We're we even past the satanic panic of the 80s. You don't need to pretend that's a thing anymore, either. No, there's no longer a disclaimer at the front of the book, like, we aren't trying to promote witchcraft. We don't think occult magic works here at Fly-By-Night Games, <laughs> and uh, we don't want you to. So, yeah, you, this book can be forgiven for that stuff, because it's early. Yeah. What is your least favorite thing? Uh, oh, the, I feel so bad asking, because I know you're going to take the one most important least favorite thing, but of, go ahead. Of course I am. I, yeah. Okay. I'll leave it for you. Yay! Yay! Uh, my least... <laughs> My least favorite thing is probably the charts. I'm just going to go with the charts. It is my least favorite game in any game with charts where 
Not only do you have a giant chart, but the chart makes you do complicated math and then reference a different chart after you have already referenced that chart. And that chart might be in colors or it might just have numbers all over it. (sighs) One of the charts in the back I have looked at for, I'd say, 10 minutes, and, <laughs> and I have no idea what the fuck it is. It's like the chase chart. Did you see that one? Oh, yeah, no. It's, the, like, it's just a bunch of, like, H's and crosses and, and L shapes and stuff, and a bunch of circles, and they, like, lead to each other, and there's numbers at the bottom that reference them, and it's like, you rolled a 9, a fruit card is in your way. You rolled an L, ch- proceed to section H. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck is this? I, I, I'm going to scan it, I'm going to put it up so that we can take a look at it, because... I'd love someone to explain how you use it. Yeah, it it's like branching streets so that you can randomly determine, like, maybe you can go left here. Maybe you have to turn. Maybe there's a fork in the road. Like, it just sort of randomly determines road layout, which is interesting, I guess? I can't... It, it looks like it's either just total rambling of a lunatic on an asylum wall or like <laughs> or like one of the rare times they showed you Cardassian writing in Deep Space Nine that's kind of it looks like one of those it's just it's like circles with archaic symbols in them and yeah I know it's about car chases but god damn <laughs> way to take car chases and return and like reduce them to that yeah no the the cross reference charts definitely mechanic wise my least favorite thing in any game and they are Super heavy in this. Right. Okay. Okay. So, for you, your favorite thing. I'm going to go with the fact that the ST or referee or DM of this game can get XP. Huh. Uh, that is the cutest thing, and I've never seen it before, that that you, as the players, you can band together and go, good job, way to be the DM. Because, honestly, one of the major issues you'll find if you're trying to be an avid role player is that no one wants to be the DM. No. And and in this game, I mean, what the fuck is the DM going to do with XP that he couldn't just do anyway? He's in charge of the game, but it's so cute that you can do it. <laughs> it's it's amusing to me that they tried to find a way to kind of let the DM know he's doing a good job and that he feels appreciated. Well, yeah, I mean, as a DM, you often finish a game and people go, great, and then you're done. And you don't really know if they actually liked what you did or maybe they were bored or whatever. And so at the end, unless you want to go up and be like, so did you... Did you have a good time? At least this sort of codifies the, let's all make sure that Jim knows that he ran a good game so that he keeps wanting to run the game. Yeah, and you know, normally an RPG will paint the uh, the GM or DM as kind of a testy, all-powerful <laughs> dickbag. Testies. <laughs> Balls. Um, <laughs> because they're, the only thing the time they reference the DM is usually, don't touch his pizza. Like, like, what the fuck? Don't touch anyone's pizza. Don't touch people's food. What the fuck? That's me. Let, let him eat his food. I mean, that, that's not a magic thing that's special to DMs. Uh, but anyway, that's all you ever get about the DM is don't touch his pizza. Don't insult him because he might just have rocks fall on your character. In this one, they don't, they, they advise against that and they tell him, but you still want to tell that DM he's doing a good job. Yeah. I, I like that. Okay. And right. your least favorite thing. I don't like the art in the book. Ah. I'm just kidding. I hate that you can only play as seven fucking characters. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is that? What, 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 never before or set, or I, I assume for a long time will we find a game where you have to choose between Short Round and Willie Scott <laughs> as, as your character that you can play. I, I, I feel like I'm dumping on Short Round. I kind of liked him. He was, he was amusing in the game. There's, there's no apologizing for Willie Scott. She was terrible. She's the Yoko of, uh, well, I mean, until, until Crystal Skull, she was the Yoko of Indiana Jones. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the fact that it is a game based on a property and then it only lets you play in it, I understand the decision, 
But, I mean, coming from a modern perspective, you look back and go, wow, that's real weird. Yeah. We have a policy here at System Mastery. It's unspoken, and I don't think John's ever heard of it before. But <laughs> we don't do any research about these games beyond what is between the covers of the books. No, I, I'm not going to go find other games that may have supplemented this. Maybe they put out rules that you could make a guy. Maybe they didn't. I am just reviewing this book. Mm-hmm. So that's probably, uh, that's why we don't really know if there's additional adventures or if there's another book that ever came out that lets you made, make characters in this session or setting. I, I don't know. And I don't care because I always review the core book. And in this core book, you can't make a character. Yeah. No, and, this, this fails as an RPG that I would ever want to put in front of me. Absolutely. So uh, that's just kind of an unspoken rule that we've always followed here. One of the things I did notice while reading through this book is that the primary artist in the book is Larry Elmore, who uh, you probably don't know off the top of your head, but he is responsible for all the artwork that made Dragonlance what it is. And he's a TSR regular, so all those pictures of Riceland that are kind of in that almost hyper-realistic style, you know, uh, where he's got the... but he still has those stupid eyeballs... Huh. Like, uh, he, he did a lot of the Riceland work. He did a lot of work for, uh, TSR in general. Uh, he also did the original, the, the, the most famous picture of EverQuest. The picture of, like, all the races hanging out in a big area. <laughs> you uh, know. That picture? Yeah. Uh, so, so Larry Elmore, heavily involved in this book. You would not be able to tell. Because it's either shitty photocopied pictures from Indiana Jones. Yeah. Or it's some pictures of, like, an obese black man or short round in the middle of a run. Which look like they're from a 1920s comic strip. Uh huh. It's all just like line art that just looks unbelievably bad. <laughs> yeah, like literally, the picture of the villain—you get one picture of Solomon Black, the made-up villain for the book in the book—and he looks like the ad for Blimpy's sandwiches from 1925. <laughs> He's just a fat guy with his hands in that midwalk swing motion. That's good. That's it. He doesn't look threatening. He looks like a blimp. So, there you go. Okay, so I think we both established that we wouldn't play this game. Do you think that we should visit another Indiana Jones game and start digging again to see if we can find one that's good? Maybe at some point. Yeah, I don't want to do one right away. No. Uh, we are currently gearing up to review Scion. Yep. Yep. So we'll look, watch for that in a couple of weeks. We'll, we'll, uh, take a crack at Scion. We're going to go right back down the White Wolf well. Woo! In the meantime, uh, as always, if you have anything you'd like to see us review, we are always open to suggestions. You can find us on our Facebook page, System Mastery at Facebook. You can also find us at our own website, systemmastery.wordpress.com, or just systemmastery.com. We also have, uh, blah, blah, blah. We have our Twitter, which we don't check. We have systemmastery <laughs> at Gmail, which we actually have gotten a couple emails at. I had no idea. So, by all means, if you want to send an email to systemmastery at gmail.com, please feel free to do so. Oh, someone's emailed us? Right? Isn't that crazy? Wow. So I should far, probably we have, check that email our at some word, point. Our WordPress account has 26 followers at this point, and I think all of them are spam. Sweet. Right. On the other hand, we have now been listened to in every English-speaking country and a bunch of other countries. It's great. We're, we're getting out there. It looks, <laughs> the map looks real pretty. If you, anyway, thank you very much for listening. Uh, as always, I'm Jeff, and this is John. Yeah. And we'll see you later. Or not. Or not. This is our last episode.